we must never forget that no government schemes are going to perfect man. We know that living in this world means dealing with what philosophers would call the phenomenology of evil, or as theologians would put it, the doctrine of sin. There is sin and evil in the world, and we're enjoined by Scripture and the Lord Jesus to oppose it with all our might. Coming to you live from the corner of Fauci and Burks on Constitution on Fire Avenue, it's the America Held Hostage Podcast. America's Constitution in Quarantine. Now here are your hosts, Jeff Dornick and John Hinton. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of America Held Hostage Podcast. This is episode number 10, so we're now completing the second full week of this podcast. It's been a blast, you know, coming every single morning, uh, you know, breaking down the news from a conservative and Christian uh, worldview. Uh, just a reminder about tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, the American Conservative Movement is hosting our very first uh, online conference. Uh, we're going to be putting out a new one about every three to five weeks or so, especially while we're in uh, quarantine, lockdown, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but tomorrow, starting at 9 a.m. Pacific time on the American Conservative Movement's Facebook page, we're going to be bringing to you our very first online conference, the Saving America Conference. And uh, we've got a great lineup of conservative voices that uh, you're definitely going to want to check out and listen to. Got everybody from Trevor Loudon talking about the Marxist infiltration into uh, American politics and within the church and that sort of thing. We've got J.D. Rucker, who who uh, is the editor-in-chief over at Knock Report. we got Pastor Greg Locke. We've got Michael Johns, who co-founded the Tea Party. We've got Mindy Robinson, who's running for Congress out in Nevada. Buzz Patterson running for Congress up in Sacramento. We've got a great lineup of people you're not going to want to miss starting at 9 a.m. Pacific time. We're going to be going all day. I'm going to be giving the the final talk at 8 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, So it's going to be just one long uh, event. It'll be a blast, a lot of fun. But our goal is to unify conservatives around constitutional principles, preserving our freedom, taking back our country, getting us back to the country that our founding fathers originally originally intended for us. So uh, check that out. Go to the American Conservative Movement's uh, Facebook page and uh, like like there, follow. Uh, we're going to be going live there first thing in the morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time. So check that out. And then, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, John, we are, we are back uh, completing our second week. It's tough. It, Time both flies during during these lockdowns, and it feels like we've literally been in lockdown for like a year <laughs> at the well, same time. We were time. just talking about before the uh, we started recording that uh, your day thirty one of lockdown in California. We're in uh, day thirty of lockdown here in New Jersey. <clears throat> so uh, even though you're on the left coast and. I'm here in the People's Republic of uh, <laughs> of the East Coast. Uh, we are in uh, we're simpatico when it comes to uh, we're just over this. Just 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 a little bit. <laughs> just just a little bit. Well, we've got a ton to cover, and uh, we're not going to bleed over into an hour. I've got the timer on my phone, and when it goes off, you're going to hear some music. So we're ready to go. Um, The first story is uh, Daniel Horowitz of Conservative Review and Blaze TV. 
he tweeted out yesterday some interesting news that uh, I thought was very pertinent. In your neck of the woods, uh, in the West Coast, Jeff, Washington is set to release 1,000 inmates amid the coronavirus outbreak. That's coming from Seattle, Washington, and the Associated Post. And he said, this has nothing to do with COVID-19 and everything to do with the left implementing a 100-year plan overnight without any opposition. Where are conservatives pushing back with a counter agenda? We have no movement other than talking points, to which I would say, Jeff, the conservative movement, sadly, uh, for the last two to three decades, has been nothing more than a constant bowel movement when it comes to fighting for uh, security, freedom, and uh, principles. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I totally agree, and I, th- and I think that one of the one of the problems, and we see this both when it comes to the good guys within the church, but and, but then also the good guys within politics. My good guys, I'm, re- I'm referring to conservatives. Um, but the 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 thing the thing about us is that we're all splintered off, and everybody's doing their own individual little thing. And nobody's unifying. There's a lot of infighting. There's a lot of uh, self uh, self promotion and that sort of thing. Whereas then the left, they're in lockstep together. They're literally repeating every single talking point, almost word for word. They're playing a team game. We're over here playing this individual. Uh, you know, I'm the best, and I'm the only one that you should be listening to. And and everybody's on their own little island. We need to be unifying together coming around conservative constitutional principles and then be on the offensive, not always on the defensive like we, like I feel like we've been over the last uh, many years. I would agree. I would agree. The children of men are always smarter than the children of light, Jesus said. And uh, it's time to start uh, pushing back because, it, <laughs> because when you do, good things happen. I mean it's one thing – to uh, turn a cheek, but then uh, if you look at the context of when Jesus read that, or when Jesus spoke that, in the original Hebrew, when he said, uh, uh, if someone asks you to go one mile, go two, uh, there was there was a snarkiness to that. There was a there was a uh, <laughs> lack of a better term. There was a sarcasm to that. You know, oh, if if someone hits you on one cheek, turn and give them the other. Well, we we think that that's just a that's just a, a pushback. And if you're watching me, you see me turning my face. But the thing is, is that in a in an in a visual society, Jeff, if you were to slap me on one cheek and I said, hey, you want to go ahead and slap the other? What is that? That's being snarky. That's being sarcastic. That's pushing back. Hey, you hit me once. You want to hit me again? Uh, So we can actually walk and chew gum at the same time when it comes as a movement. We don't have to sit down and let these things happen without having a voice. The thing that gets me is that if you go back and you study – uh, the the times before the uh, before the American Revolution in 1776, a lot of scholars and historians would say 50 percent of the uh, of the colonies, and it, it didn't really care either way. They just wanted to be left alone. 25 percent, uh, their allegiance was to the king and to Britain, and the other 25 percent 
wanted freedom. You want to know what that means? One out of every four Americans were the one that were the ones that fought to give you your way of life and liberty. All it takes is a small vocal minority. Have we not learned anything from the godless left who have been telling us about shout your abortion and I want to be able to take a dump in a lady's bathroom even though I'm a man and I think that I have a vagina when I really have a penis and uh, and we're and you know I want to I want to say that if I'm having gay sex with a man in an airport bathroom that I can get married and that's considered holy that's fine and that's a minority view but we just turn aside and and let people walk all over us that makes no sense to me you can push back with facts with with uh with a voice with values that have been time tested and tried yeah it's 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 very true but also too is like that 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 uh, what Jesus was talking about there when you know t- turn, turning the other cheek that was that was in that time when you're looking at the context that was actually dealing with personal insults um and 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 that sort of thing and I think that's the principle that we can take so like for example if somebody's coming at me with a personal insult I don't take offense at that it's like okay fine just do it again it's it but but you clearly see when when people are attacking truth Jesus fought back. Jesus pushed back. But then his example was when when he was literally there before Pontius Pilate, before before King Herod, he didn't he didn't stand there just trying to defend himself. He didn't just stand there trying to push back against personal insults and lies and attacks and things like that. But as soon as as soon as as soon as it was about a principle, as soon as it was as soon as it was about truth, that's when he pushed back and fought back. And I think that's kind of the principle that we can take too. Yeah, when he was in Herod's court and Herod was mocking him, he was silent. Because all Herod wanted was uh, a show. He wanted the bread and circuses. Yeah. But uh, when Pilate was actually questioning him, so you're a king, it was John 18:37, when he said, uh, I, I, I am a king indeed. For this reason for I was born and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Those on the side of truth hear my voice. And then Pilate made the greatest error, I believe, as Ravi Zacharias said, of all time, in front of the greatest, uh, the the greatest single uh, answer and embodiment of all truth, he looks at Jesus and says, "What is truth?" Chaos veritas. And right at that moment, when he when Jesus realized, "I can't uh, I can't have a conversation with this guy," he shut up. Uh, so he didn't cast pearls before swine, and neither should we. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't that we shouldn't uh, push back either, because uh, be prepared to give a reasoned defense for the hope that is within you, but do so with gentleness and respect. That's just biblical. Yep. Our next story: uh, the airline industry sees that they will lose up to three hundred and fourteen billion dollars in lost twenty twenty ticket sales. That's up 25% more than previously expected, according to a report from Bloomberg News. Now, on top of that, we're also finding out that the UK daily or the US Daily Mail, uh, the UK's version for America, said that major US airlines plan to apply for billions in government loans in addition to the 25 billion in coronavirus payroll bailouts. That also uh, that also is in addition to a story that came out that we'll get to later 
Um, United has said that it will run out of money by the end of May, and they are preparing to furlough or lay off 90% of their workforce. The economic carnage I, that we keep we keep saying it in our in our podcast, but the economic carnage that we are going to be picking up the pieces of Jeff, I believe this is going to be a two to three year rebuild. Oh yeah, I, well, well, the the thing is, is like I, I could I could to, I could totally see that. Um, I don't know from my perspective if the government can get out of the way. I think that we could actually uh, rebound pretty quickly because, and I think I've said this before. In previous recessions, it was always like illegal behavior that caused it, right? There was a lot of cheating the system, things like that, that needed to be rectified. In this, it's literally just, we can't work, so let's just get everybody back to work. If we can keep the government out of the way, I think we can rebound quickly. The problem is, I, I'm, I'm seeing the government is going to be trying to get involved in every possible way that they can, and I think that they may stunt the growth. So I think if, if we're going to take that long to get back, it's, it's because the government's getting involved, not necessarily because that's how long it should take for us to rebound from this. Well, uh, that was the same thing that happened in the Great Depression. Government expanded, and everyone praised FDR for putting people back to work with government jobs, but in all reality... A lot of historians and economic analysts say that he prolonged the depression. It would have lasted anywhere from 18 to 36 months, but he made it seven to nine years because of the expanse of government programs. And you're seeing us repeat the exact same thing now. Only then they didn't print $6.6 trillion out of thin air. True. We'll get to a story about we're, we're looking at a possible double recession coming uh, coming on the heels of what we've seen and the fact that the Fed is already warning Americans that long-term huge spikes in inflation will occur. Uh, on, so to add to that, banking and financial service leaders are telling the Trump administration that they need to dramatically increase the, available, uh, the availability of coronavirus testing before the public could be confident enough to return to work, eat at restaurants, and shop in retail establishments. That's coming from the Wall Street Journal. I think that that's true, Jeff. I think that a lot of people who are that 50% that really don't care either way and they're being swayed by the media and what they hear – I don't know about you. There's a lot of people that are paralyzed out in New Jersey, and I bet California is the same way. They're not doing anything, and they're just they're they're scared. They're watching the news, and they're just regurgitating everything that they see on social media. And everybody's just hunkered down. And then let's say that we were to go back to work and open up the economy, everything, all 50 states, everything goes back to normal May 1st. Do you think that Americans would actually? just go back all of a sudden I don't think so mm -mm. I don't I don't even think you know like like looking at it you know because like again like my, my wife and I whether whether it was the this uh, stay-at-home order was enforced by like police or not we'd probably we'd probably stay home primarily just for like safety and you know for our health and because again it's it's very unpredictable what's actually going on there's a lot of conflicting research I've been having some talks with some people about coronavirus and some of the effects it can have long term so for us you know you know we we, we just want to stay safe um, and so for us it's like you know we we're, we're gonna probably second guess going to like some big event or a jam-packed restaurant or you know something along those something along those lines just primarily just like 
safety. Again, a lot of it is just we don't know because I don't trust the government for what they're telling us. So it's like, what's actually going on here? I don't know if any of us actually know. I think you're right. The CDC is predicting another coronavirus battle this winter. Now, this report comes from uh, an ABC affiliate in my old backyard, my old stomping grounds of Eastern Iowa, KCRG Channel 9. They linked to a story that I believe came from ABC News. So basically, you know, just regurgitating news that comes out from the national sources. Um, Actually, it was from CNN, but health policy experts and government leaders across the country are looking ahead on how to best ease coronavirus social distancing, with some experts predicting that another wave of coronavirus will hit in the winter. Uh, experts predict that the virus will return this fall. We're going to have another battle with it up front and aggressively next winter. And that's why it's important right now to improve our testing capacity, expand our public health capacity with early recognition, detection, contact tracing, and isolation, says Dr. Robert Redfield, the center of the CDC. Jeff, if they start, if they try to, to do these draconian means on us again, there will be riots in the streets. We're already about two weeks away from that, in my opinion. Yeah. They do this again. Watch out. Yeah. Well, well and see, you know, the, the, th- the thing about uh, President Trump's plan that they just unveiled yesterday about, you know, moving, moving forward and coming out of this is that I think I think what we're going to see is we're going to see kind of rolling, uh, you know, lockdowns happening throughout the year and adjusting as we see things popping up. Um, I mean that, and that could go until we get a vaccine, which is which is one of the other crazy things. And I, I don't know if we're talking about this today or not, but you know, uh, Israel is like what six weeks away from from getting a vaccine, but d- Democrats are pushing against us using their vaccine because they want to wait for Bill Gates' vaccine, and that seems uh, really shady because Bill Gates, more than likely, we're not going to have his for eighteen months. Israel, we could have it within within six weeks, and I trust I would by far trust Israel over Bill Gates any day. Oh, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Exactly. And if you don't think that Trump is going to use a pen and a phone, thank you, Barack Obama, to uh, call up Benjamin Netanyahu and say, hey, I'm ordering 330 million doses of that, and uh, <laughs> let's let's lock and load and get back to work. Yep. Now, the thing is, is that then it comes down to do you give religious exemptions to people who don't want to take the vaccine? Uh, in, in my in my opinion, you, you do. I, I to me to me, I think you make it. Uh, you I don't I don't think you make it a requirement. I don't think that's constitutional. You make you make it an option. Um, I think the majority of Americans will take it, and um, and then at, at a certain point, we might also get uh, herd immunity uh, just through that because we've seen that even with vaccines for other issues like polio and different things like that. If you're in a larger group that is all immune to it, um, there there's this kind of communal protection uh, through through a lot of those kind of vaccines. So I think so I think I'm hoping that that's something that'll that will apply here as well. Right, I'm I'm with you there. If it's if it's something that is optional, then that is uh, that's a decision between uh, dare I say that's a decision between you and your doctor. <laughs> Very true. Uh, Using the talking points of the left to defeat their leftist pagan ideologies. I'm John Hinton, and I approve that message. (laughs) Now, saw this from our friend Steve Dace. He linked to Q13 Fox, 
Army.com. This is the Fox affiliate up in Seattle. The Army Field Hospital that was at the CenturyLink Field Event Center. That's the place where the Seattle Seahawks play football. Uh, uh, that was dismantled. After two weeks, it never saw a single patient. Are, are just, any of us surprised? Just a, uh, nothing. No, it's just fear porn. You know, and now now your governor is shipping ventilators to other states, and now New York's governor is shipping ventilators to other states. He said that he was going to need 40,000. Looks like he only needed six. Looks it looks like it looks to me like Trump is right yet again. By the way, speaking of New York's governor Andrew Cuomo, he signed an executive order two days ago mandating that New Yorkers have a mask or mouth covering with them when out in public if they are in situations where they can't maintain social distancing or six feet distance from people they don't live with. That's mandated. I don't agree with that, Jeff. Yeah, I, but and I, and I think I mentioned this either yesterday or the day before. I am I am more okay with the government coming in and, and mandating that that you're wearing like uh, a covering over your face uh, or over your mouth um, than I am about them literally saying you can't congregate in certain places. I, I think that that was more the constitutional route to go because it, to me it's it's the equivalent of saying um, uh, you have to wear a helmet when you're riding a motorcycle. You know, it's it's protective gear. Um, so strictly from a constitutional perspective, I prefer that over saying you can't go to church. Mm. Well, uh, and that's why we're here on the podcast, to balance each other out. Yep. <laughs> so when it comes to the public health, you're fine with that. For me, I think it comes down to the same uh, argument that we say it's personal responsibility. If you choose to do that, it's a guideline like the CDC, but having the government come down and mandate it and say by – judicial or executive fiat, no, you must do this, that's when I say as a nonconformist, no, I'm not going to comply to that. Right. If I want to do that of my, my own accord, then I'll do that to protect myself and others. But if you're going to make me do it, I'm just going to push back on the simple notion that I don't bow before your chocolate bunny. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I just want to throw this out there as well. If it was the federal government saying it, I'd be totally opposed to it because the Constitution does not give the, that authority to the federal government. But if it's a state government or local government, that's where I feel like there's a little bit more wiggle room for them to make those kinds of decisions. Because, hey, if, if you don't like your local government making those decisions for you, you can always move to another state that's more that's more free and, uh, and isn't as overbearing and that sort of thing. So that's kind of my mentality when it comes to all that kind of stuff. I'm just strictly looking constitutional perspective. So right, that's right. That's my take. Well, you're more you're more libertarian in that regard, and I'm more conservative, so I'm right. just pushing back on that. But that's exactly. fine. Yeah, and hey, and that, um, that's that's, that's, the, that's the joy points. of all this. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Ty, now, this is from uh, Wayne Allen Root. If you recognize the name, uh, he's a conservative author. He was also a huge sports betting handicap capper in Las Vegas. Still is. Uh, but he's a huge Trump supporter. But he uh, he linked to a story from ZeroHedge.com uh, that the Pennsylvania Senate and the Pennsylvania House have voted to override uh, uh, Pennsylvania Democrat Governor Tom Wolf's 
uh, stay-at-home edict, SB 613, would require Wolf's office to align state policy with federal guidelines in determining which businesses would be allowed to reopen. Wolf ha- Now, Wolf is going to veto this. The House is threatening to override the veto, and then it's going to be challenged in the courts. But on top of that, come next week, come next Tuesday, there's going to be a mass protest in Harrisburg, PA at the state capitol against these unconstitutional edicts. People want to go back to work. They're willing to take the risk and take on the personal responsibility that they want their way of life back, Jeff. And I say, uh, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. More cowbell. Yeah, and 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 that's too. Where I'm very, I'm very, I'm very appreciative of what uh, President Trump came out with uh, with yesterday with with the plan to reopen uh, the country because at least there's some guidelines to where we can begin to look like, hey, if this state is they're going down in numbers in cases and deaths and things like that, let's start reopening and we'll take it step by step. We'll see how it goes. We'll we'll continue to reevaluate. And I feel I feel like that's the smartest, wisest way to really handle this. Yeah, and we're gonna get to that later on in our rundown here. the because Steve Dace broke it down what it looks like it looks like 20 states could re it could go into phase one today and that was alluded to by Trump they could start this tomorrow uh now this story that you and I had talked about privately that we forgot to get to yesterday but this is very troubling this was one of the main stories we wanted to highlight today so we're gonna we're gonna set on this for a couple minutes um the Wall Street Journal is reporting that uh, in an exclusive that China has uh, has run possible nuclear testing despite Beijing's assertions that they have not. Uh, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that China might be secretly conducting nuclear tests with very low explosive power. Despite Beijing's assertions to the contrary, that it is strictly adhering to an international accord banning all nuclear tests, according to a new arms control report made public by the State Department on Thursday. The coming report doesn't present proof that China is violating its promise to uphold the agreement, but it cites an array of activity that raise varying degrees of concern, unquote that Beijing might be complying with the zero yield, uh, might not be complying with the zero yield nuclear weapons testing ban. If you want to read more about that, you can go to the Wall Street Journal. But I find that very, very concerning, Jeff, that they covered up what happened uh, with their lab. They Now we're finding out this came from a bat. They may have. This may have been a bioweapon. If it's not, they at le- we at least know that they chemically altered it in some way. It then was released in the population. Now they went on a lockdown. We've seen videos on Twitter where they welded people into their homes. Those people died. N- and now it's coming out. Everyone said, "Well, those those death numbers can't be right." Even Chris Hayes of MSNBC. <laughs> you know, a broken clock can be right twice a day. Even he tweeted last week, well, these numbers can't be right. After we, people like us, have been saying this for the last month, you can't trust a lying, pagan, godless, totalitarian, communistic regime to tell you the truth. It's very true. And now, now we're finding out that not only 
did they cover all this up? But now they might be conducting nuclear testing as well. Something wicked this way comes, Jeff. I mean, here's the thing. When did we ever think China was our ally? That's the thing that that's the thing that I keep coming back to is that when Nixon went to China, that's when we started to think about it. Yeah, because I mean, like the the thing is, is that like th they oppose everything that America stands for. They're we're, ca we're capitalistic. They're communist. We, you know, we believe in freedom. They believe in oppression. Like literally, we're we're looking for what's best for our country and the world. They're look they're looking for what's best for th for their political ideology, and and so it's like when we're coming to we're, when we're coming up to this kind of like nuclear testing and that sort of thing from a big powerhouse like China, we need to stop treating them like an ally or a trade partner or something like that. They are our enemy. They're they're worse than Russia. They're worse. You know, maybe they've even got more potential to cause more harm than like as evil as Iran is. China could potentially be that much worse because they have what a billion people that live there. They've got a massive military. I mean, you know, with at least with Iran, they're a, they're a smaller country in the in the Middle East. China is literally a big superpower, and we need to start taking them seriously and stop playing these stupid petty games because they give us cheap labor. I would agree. I think that we are now in a new – I think that we're now in a new digital cold war and I think our, our number one enemy is China. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of other countries – Emmanuel Macron, It was there was a quote from Politico that I was going to allude to. Um, and then uh, I think the, uh, the Commerce Secretary in the UK, they both came out and said that uh, France and the UK yesterday – both came out and said that they are going to have to hold China accountable because they lied and they caused such economic carnage. And for the fact that two socialist, liberal, leftist governments are coming out and saying, we can't, we can't do business with these people anymore. The scales are falling off the eyes. And I would pray that people like Angela Merkel would not belly, would not belly up to the bar and do business with these people who are a threat to your way of life. They want to destroy you. You want to know why Democrats want to defend the Chinese Communist Party? Why CNN and MSNBC are regurgitating Chinese Communist Party talking points, Jeff? It's because China has built their communistic regime on the backs of crushing its citizens. They want power and control. And if Democrats can defend 60 million aborted babies for 47 years, they can defend a godless totalitarian regime that crushes 100 million people of its own population in its entire 70-year history. Because the blood of those people that they've crushed, Democrats used it to build an economy on while Republicans were silent, and China used it to build their economy and rebuild their halls of industry. That's why they defend them, because ultimately they come at it from the same godless worldview. They hate you. They want power and control over you, and they don't care who they have to step over and who they have to kill in order to get there. And I think you would say amen. Amen. Another, uh, another report that we have from Adam Housley, former investigative reporter for Fox News. He was a senior correspondent. 
He said, from one of my sources in the know, the Chinese government is flat out burying evidence. Whether this was an accident or not, what they've done to hamper scientific and evidence gathering by the world community, especially those in U.S. intelligence circles in regards to COVID-19, is staggering. What we know is that Wuhan is back to a partial lockdown, and new cases are now being reported, and they didn't come from outside the country. We're also finding out, and I sent these numbers to you overnight, and I pointed them out to a buddy of mine who works in the Illinois Department of Health, a little birdie of mine. China overnight increased its number by 3,000 of deaths. They had said that there were 1,800 deaths in Wuhan. Then they said, oh, we have 3,600. Then they increased that to 4,600 just two hours later. That was overnight. That's confirmation they've been lying to you all along. And that it was, and that it's worse there than they're actually telling us. Wouldn't you agree, Jeff? Absolutely, and and that's the and that's the thing is like, you know, you know, we, we you know, I, I always say, question the government, question the media, that sort of thing, but especially when it's coming from a communist dictatorship country like China, you really got to question virtually everything. Right. We talked about Bill and Melinda Gates earlier. Well, Trump said that he's halting U.S. funding to the World Health Organization, which, by the way, we're going to do this. Uh, at home, one world together, or one world together at home across ABC, NBC, CBS. Did you know that that this weekend, this Saturday night, the uh, uh, it's a it's a program to raise funds. It's a fundraiser. Did you know who that fundraiser is for, Jeff? No, but I'm beginning to have an idea. It's for the World Health Organization. The people that lied to you and said in mid-January, oh, there's no human-to-human transmission of this virus. And then when and then said, oh, this isn't a pandemic. And then 40 days later, they said, oh, yeah, it's a pandemic. And now we're finding out that they covered for China. I tweeted at Alicia Keys, you're, you're, you're fundraising for an organization that threatened your way of life. How dumb can you be? But... Bill and Melinda Gates say that Trump's halting of the World Health Organization is dangerous and doesn't make any sense. I think it makes complete sense after what I just told you. Yeah, we we need we need to we need to stop funding all these globalist, uh, you know, world worldwide uh, organizations, and we need to start relying on our own health department and, and our own uh, agencies and our own government and that sort of thing. We need to be self reliant and stop depending and supporting the rest of the world from constantly manipulating things and taking advantage of us. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, Germany has set a roadmap for lifting coronavirus lockdowns, according to CNBC. Small shops will start opening on Monday, and schools will reopen May 4th, to which I say, good for you, Germany. Good for you. Uh, uh, the U.S. Daily Mail saying uh, a virologist is insisting that America's coronavirus cases will spike the moments we relax social distancing, to which I say it was always going to do that because you had to let it run its course to build herd immunity. 
I'm not going to buy into the fear porn. This becomes personal responsibility at this point. You can't you can't do these draconian means again. Otherwise, there will be literal riots and blood in the streets. People will not do this over again. They just won't. Yeah. Another story that I thought was very uh, telling was a tweet from LGBTQ Nation said, if HIV was God's punishment for gays, then coronavirus is God's punishment for Christians. Jeff, what's your comments on that before I go off? I mean, there, there, there's so much wrong with this. I mean, if, if anything, uh, you know, this is this uh, coronavirus is an indictment on communism and socialism because that's where it came from. So let's at least use a little bit of logic if you're going to use this illogical, irrational uh, perspective and point of view. So um, you know, again, we we have to ha we have to have actual culprits, actual people who who uh, who uh, created the problem. Sorry, it was communist China which lied and covered things up, and then and then it was the globalist WHO who uh, who who provided cover for them. I mean, at a certain point. We, we, we've got to be honest about who the problem actually is. I'll leave you with this. I tweeted right back at them and said, using hatred and bigotry to combat what you think is hatred and bigotry. That's just dumbass logic. True story. You're guilty of that which you accuse others of. Huh, great is your reward indeed. <laughs> Mike Pence tells commissioners of college football uh, conferences that college sports will not be able to return from coronavirus's shutdown until campuses have reopened. That's according to the AP. That also goes uh, that also goes along with what Trump said when he announced his economic task force. We'll get to that in just a little bit, but he says that when sports return. It will start with no fans, and then will eventually allow fans, but they will have to be distanced by two feet. And Jeff, I made this prediction. I told one of my little birdies, the same birdie that works for the Illinois Department of Health, uh, told my silent partner, and uh, I may have told you in the podcast, when sports do come back, you're going to see these stadiums and uh, playing fields they're going to be half to two-thirds uh, full. They yep. just are. And prepare to see that for the rest of the year going into next summer. I don't think that you're going to see sports go back to the way they were for about 18 to 24 months just because uh, people won't have the money to afford it. And two, there's going to be social distancing measures that will be put in place. Heather Long. This was a tweet, and these, the, all three of these go together, so we're going to talk about this uh, because this was one of the big stories that I wanted to hover on uh, next, Jeff. Unemployment claims came out again. Another 5.5 million unemployment claims yesterday. That is 22.28 million jobs lost in a month. Staggering. Absolutely staggering the economic suicide we're committing. 
Heather Long uh, tweeted, 5.2, or it's actually 5.5 million Americans filed for unemployment last week. A staggering number, although slightly less than the record of 6.9 million from the week ending March 28th. The U.S. unemployment rate is likely 15%. Seth Harris, who works for the Babylon Bee, then uh, added, uh, you're too conservative on the unemployment rate, Heather. Add 7.7 million unemployed uh, in mid-March, plus the 22 million claims in the last month, and 4 million claims like this week, and that's almost 34 million people counted, or 21%. Uh, or uh, of uh, a 21% unemployment rate at least. Steve Dace then tweeted, we're now past 22 million Americans unemployed. If the total number of unemployed Americans were a country, it would be the 58th largest country in the world, just behind Taiwan, and twice as many people as live in Jordan, Sweden, Cuba, and Greece. Let that number sink in. Again, this is affecting primarily the the middle to to lower class. So you're when you're dealing with people that are making minimum wage or a little bit above minimum wage and things like that, this is really affecting them. So when you when you were talking about earlier how uh, sporting events are going to be empty, it's even going to it's even going to be you know in front of like no audience. It'll just be like a, ga- a basketball game playing in a, in an empty arena. I mean, think about all of those jobs, all the hundreds of people that that have jobs at the arenas that depend on that for their livelihood. And, you know, even when we get back to work, those jobs are not coming back because they're not going to be having fans in the arena. There's there's such a ripple effect coming out of this uh, economically. It's it's going to be staggering. And we need to figure out how to get people back to work, not just get people on unemployment. We got to figure out. How can we get people, you know, maybe that's, let's get more people working from home. Let's let's find ways to get people working from home and that sort of thing. And, you know, have as, maybe we have as few people going to work as possible. And if you can work from home, work from home. But we need to figure out a way to get people to become self-sufficient again and not just relying on the government. I would agree. I would definitely agree. Uh, we made a prediction. I think you remember me making this prediction that I said, that uh, by the end of this year, you would start to see uh, Western nations begin to forgive each other's sovereign debt. Um, well, that's uh, the the wheels are already spinning on this because the IMF earlier this week, the 25 poorest countries in the world, they've they've forgiven their debt. The Treasury Secretary has came out yesterday, according to the Wall Street Journal, Steve Mnuchin, said that the U.S. now supports a plan from G20 countries that allows low-income economies to suspend or forgive their debt uh, to free up funds to fight the coronavirus pandemic. That I believe that that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think that you're going to see that ball roll more and more because they're running out of bullets in the chamber to be able to fight what it is that they're doing to just print money out of nowhere in order to keep economies afloat and keep the people at bay. Because once this go, if, if this does return to Great Depression levels and they turn off the spigot, uh, Katie bar the door. 
the Wall Street Journal also reporting that uh, sadly yesterday morning the uh, Paycheck Protection Program uh, there were 80,000 more applications that were in the pipeline once the $350 billion in that program dried up and now small businesses are having to make the tough decision to close up shop for good. Government relief efforts, including the $350 billion small business loan fund designed to cover payrolls, are either too late in coming in or they won't provide enough cash. We talked about it yesterday, but uh, according to a study that CBS News printed in 2014, but it was a study of the Great Recession. The Great Recession was linked to more than 10,000 suicides. Uh, and, <laughs> and now we're starting to see that according to the statistics, for every 1% of unemployment it increases, there's a 3% increase in drug use and in suicide. So uh, the, the people that are saying, oh, we have to save lives to stop coronavirus, um, the economic carnage that you're creating, you're going to lose more lives in the process too. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. To which I would ask Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, are those going to be qualified as COVID-19 deaths as well? I think we know the answer is no. Those, those should be qualified as uh, government deaths. Yeah. Um, just like the government deaths at your local Planned Parenthood baby butcher shop. Yep. Found out from Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg reports uh, U.S. home construction declined in March from the previous month by the most percentage since 1984. Yikes. Unprecedented unemployment uh, leaves Pennsylvanians desperate, according to the Philly Inquirer. Uh, infuriated Pennsylvanians say we're in a state of complete collapse. There's thousands out here in the tri-state area, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey, where I live in, that they're still having trouble a month later being able to f just file for their initial claim for unemployment, Jeff. They, they've had to bring back retired workers, according to this piece that I read yesterday. They've had to bring back 70 retired workers, hire on 100 more workers, and then pull people from other departments in the state to be able to fill the massive void just to be able to process claims. And I ran the numbers. If you did over and, – and I'm going to run them again right now. Let's say that you had, and I'm going to pull this out, if you have 22 million jobless claims, and then let's do the expanded unemployment. So the average unemployment is 385 plus 610 with the expanded unemployment. So let's make that 995. If you times that by $995 in a week, the number is $21.89 billion. Well, this expanded unemployment is expected to go for 16 weeks. So then times 16, the cost of the program right now 
is $350 billion. That's in the next four months. Where's that coming from, Jeff? You and I. It's really where it's coming from. It's coming like they're they're gonna they're gonna have to raise taxes. Either that or like what like what we were talking about before of uh, there's gonna be like debt forgiveness and things like that within countries and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, our country we're we're in crazy massive debt. Maybe maybe they're just maybe they know that's coming and so they're just racking up the debt and then it's just all gonna be forgiven down the road. Who knows what they're thinking at this point? What what would you place your bets on, Jeff? Uh, higher taxes. Mm. That that that's what I that's what I think I th I think I think that uh, what the, what they're going to do is they're going to come in and uh, start claiming we need we need to have a extremely high tax rate on the uh, you know as Bernie Sanders would say the top one percent of one percent of of Americans and uh, they're probably just going to skyrocket the the tax rate on them. God help us. Um, Justthenews.com. John Solomon reporting. A horrific discovery. Police found 17 bodies in a New Jersey nursing home. Governor Phil Murphy is investigating. A little bit of the backstory: This nursing home, 700 residents, 70 people came down with coronavirus. 17 people died. They have a morgue in the facility that can hold up to four people. They had 14 bodies stacked in the morgue of the facility. And three more were just left in their beds, in their room. The godlessness that's there. Just, oh, let's just stack these these dead people up like kindling. I, I mean, we'll get to it eventually. My God, what are we doing? Uh, churches are ordered no singing during live stream services unless they're in their homes, according to a California County COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, this is in your own backyard, Jeff. <laughs> what are government officials going to ban next? Yeah, well, the, the, the thing is, is that, and I, I've been actually kind of surprised um, at it as well, is when you're, when you're looking at the social distancing laws and you're supposed to be staying six feet apart, but then you do have the worship bands that are up on stage, you know, performing for, you know, the camera and the live stream and that sort of thing. And they're all staying like right next to each other as always. Um, I get why I get why the government's having, they, having that reaction is because it's like they're, they're, they're not practicing social, social distancing. So um, do, do I necessarily agree with what they're, what they're doing with what the government's doing? No. But at the same time, I get why they're I get why they're cracking down, and and I think that we like as Christians, we need to go above and beyond to make sure that we're not giving them a reason to shut us down for any reason. So, you know, we should it, we, if we want church and we want to be able to do things, it's like let's pra let's make sure we're you know not giving them an excuse to say that you're not practicing social distancing. We're gonna go in and we're gonna go above and beyond. We're gonna be good citizens and that sort of thing. But you can't take away our right to to worship um, God as we see fit. So that that that's kind of that's kind of where I. I I come down on that a little bit. Mm. Ohio's governor, Mike DeWine, says that his state will begin to end its lockdown in two weeks, according to Cleveland.com. Bloomberg is reporting that JCPenney is huddling with creditors about how to avert a default after it skipped its interest payment. I think JCPenney uh, and Sears, probably Macy's as well, and The Gap are all going to go under at the end of the year. And that's just the tip of the iceberg.
I think you. I think it's a, a fair assessment to say that 10% of large and small businesses are going to go under this year, Jeff. Well, the, if you're running on credit and you're run it, on revolving credit and your sales have been going down, yeah, and you've you've restructured yourself in the last five years for bankruptcy. No, you're just gonna you're you're just gonna go. Uh, you're just going to go six feet under. I'm afraid to say it. Yeah. Well, and and shopping malls and stores have been struggling over, over the last several years because of because of online uh, business and Amazon and things like that. Um, I just have a feeling that the majority of business is going to go online. That's going to be the new wave, the new uh, you know the business of the future. I think I think storefronts in general, unless it's a unless it's a service. Um, or something where you have to be physically there, I think I think a lot of storefronts are going to be closing and going directly to online. Mm. I, I'm starting to see this across the country, but Adam Housley tweeted this yesterday at 4.22 p.m. This was a, a, a virus update from Arizona. He's being told that some hospitals are on the verge of massive layoffs. They can't make any money on day-to-day -day operations anymore because they're not doing non-essential surgeries. They're only taking... COVID-19 patients, and we're finding out that that was just a whole lot of bunk unless you're in the tri-state area where I am. Uh, the caseloads for the West Valley in, in Arizona are so low that they're now asking nurses to take 30-day furloughs. The, Bill Hemmer was the, of Fox News was told by New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio that the city will start to reopen in July or August at the earliest. And I guarantee you, like good little lemmings, 90% uh, of New Yorkers will abide by that. Yeah. Smithfield Foods, a wholly owned subsidiary of Chinese company WH uh, Group and the world's biggest pork producer, announced that it will close two more U.S. plants after dozens more workers were tested positive for the Chinese coronavirus. That's according to the Epoch Times. We're going to have a food shortage, I believe, coming this summer, Jeff. Yep, and, and the one thing I'll say about that is, in, in my opinion, stop, you know, and, and again, this is what's going to be best for our country, national security-wise, health-wise, all that kind of stuff, buy local, buy from local farms, buy, you know, Go, go to farmers markets, support your local farmer and buy directly from them. Don't go to the big conglomerates. Don't go to the big corporations, the Chinese owned companies that have a million factories and all that kind of stuff. Buy local, su support small business. That's the way that we're going to protect ourselves in the future, both from these kinds of diseases coming from places like China and other countries. Uh, and, and But then also, too, it's, it's healthier for you, too, to be buying uh, local beca because of immunity and things like that in different pockets and different areas. So Go to go to farmers markets. Buy directly from uh, local farmers and that sort of thing. It's better for your health. It's better for national security. Uh, it's just better all around. We had said earlier this week that we found out that the National Institutes of Health and the CDC had given three point seven million dollars to this uh, Wuhan uh, lab of virology. You remember that, Jeff? Mm -hmm. Well, it also came out. Yesterday, the Daily Caller is reporting that the Canadian government gave nearly a million dollars to the same virus center for a joint project after the COVID-19 outbreak began. Yeah, not surprised Absolutely at all. ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, J.B. Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, announces a partnership with uh, Midwest governors to reopen the regional economy. So you're gonna. So you've seen West Coast governors 
you've seen mid-Atlantic governors, and now you're seeing Midwest governors, uh, mostly in the Rust Belt, because Iowa, Minnesota, uh, Missouri, Nebraska, and the Dakotas were not included in this. Uh, but you saw Illinois, you saw Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky uh, all uh, grouped together uh, to announce how they're going to reopen their regional economy. Uh, and I think that, that that leads to my little birdie who told me a couple years ago he was seeing that there was probably going to be a balkanization of what was going to happen in the economy and what was going to happen socially, and we're starting to see that now. I think that you're probably going to see a, a Rocky Mountain region that includes the Southwest, and then you're going to see places like New Mexico, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. They'll all combine together, and then you're going to see the South, all the way from Louisiana down to Florida, and that's it, it's going to be a re-amalgamation of, uh, or a reconstituting of Confederate states as they try to get themselves out of coronavirus. Ironically enough, though, New England is left to itself, Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. Well, uh, one of the final stories that we'll, we'll get to today, and then we'll close up shop with our commentaries, and then hope you all have a great weekend. Uh, President Trump uh, announced the opening up, uh, opening up America again uh, proclamation. And I thought it was, I thought it was absolutely tremendous uh, what he said and the infograph that he gave. Uh, and I thought Steve Dace made a great, great uh, uh, analysis of what he saw from the press conference. He said it was one of the best uh, press conferences that he's seen the Trump administration give throughout, uh, throughout its uh, time in the White House. This was from a Steve Dace's Facebook page. He said, President Trump unveiled his plan to reopen America today, and here are the details. States that have demonstrated a 14-day downward trajectory of SARS-2 coronavi coronavirus cases and have implemented a robust system for testing healthcare workers can begin a phased-in process of reopening restaurants, theaters, workplaces, gyms, etc. as soon as May 1st. Phase 1 recommends continued social distancing, closure of schools and teleworking and sheltering in place for vulnerable individuals. Non-essential travel is discouraged. Bars will remain closed and visits to nursing homes and hospitals should remain prohibited. The guidelines warn, uh, if possible, people in those states may be able to return to work in phases. Elective surgeries will resume under phase one, and gyms and large venues, including movie theaters, sporting arenas, and places of worship, can reopen as well if they maintain social distancing. Phase two, states which show no spike in cases during phase one can proceed to phase two, which allows schools restaurants, gyms, and bars to reopen with diminished occupancy. Non-essential travel can then resume and people can gather in groups no larger than 50, but teleworking is still encouraged. Phase three then allows states to move to workplaces reopening with, with no restrictions and visits to senior care centers and hospitals can resume. Essentially, you're back to normal. Uh, 
a graphic is included from the website that shows flu-like symptoms that are being monitored state to state to assess where each state is currently at with coronavirus. The White House shares this with the nation's governors daily. They said, if I had to guess, they're going to the White House is going to say that they're grouping all cases of flu-like symptoms into their coronavirus survey out of an abundance of caution in order to flag everything. And yet, even doing so, you can still see from the map how many places around the country are currently not at a high risk. Finally, the president was adamant that the current border restrictions would remain in place into the foreseeable future and that they are planning now not to have to conduct a mass shutdown again should there be a second wave next flu season and no vaccine. Good for him. We're done with this. Let's get back to business. Now, if you can't see the graph, the the hot spots right now are Louisiana, South Carolina, New York, Massachusetts, New Jersey, uh, District of Columbia, Maryland, and Delaware and parts of Puerto Rico. But you wanted to touch on that, Jeff. We're going to close this out as our story. Then we're going to do our funny anecdote, our commentaries, and we'll see you Monday. Yeah. Well, you know, and the, the, the thing about this is that I'm appreciative that, that he's coming out with, with the game plan to, to reopen the country. It's, not, it's something that we need to do. And the other thing that I'm very thankful for uh, with President Trump is that Again, he's following through with his America First agenda that he that he campaigned on in 2016. With you know, and it's you know, we got to close the borders. We get we got to limit travel. We, you know, we have to do what's best for us. We don't have to look for necessarily what's best for China first. We don't have to look for what's best for other countries first. Our first and foremost priority is ourselves opening up our country. Um, once we get things taken care of on our own, that's when we can turn around and we can begin to help other people. And in, in even looking at how he's distributed uh, the, the medical gear, um, you know, it was it, it's got to go to us first. Once we have a surplus, that's when we can send it to other places. Previous administrations, they would send resources and everything first to other countries, and then we, and then we're the afterthought. So that's something I'm very thankful for with President Trump. <coughs> and then and then also looking forward, I think it's going to be. The best way to move forward is is what he laid out. I would agree. I, I would completely agree. I watched the press conference yesterday. I thought it was uh, there were some there were a lot of adult questions that were asked by the by the White House uh, or by the White House press corps. Uh, it wasn't it, it, it wasn't petulant children, which it has been for years. But uh, the plan that's been put in place, uh, it's light at the end of the tunnel. I think it should start today, not May 1st. But, uh, you know, uh, we can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good at this point. So our funny anecdote for the day. This came from KDVR in Parker, Colorado. It was an exciting morning for Erin Johnson as she checked her bank account to see her stimulus check arrive. Or was it? <laughs> the much-needed relief for her family of five was short-lived. Once the Parker, Colorado mother noticed another transaction had happened at the same time. 
a pending debit hold on her account to the tune of $888,088. At first, I mean, we didn't think it was real. We laughed it off. Then it kind of sunk in. She, she said, uh, Johnston reached out to the IRS to try and clear up what she says was a clear mistake, but she couldn't get anyone on the phone. Even trying to get in touch with Bank of America, she says the phones are backlogged for hours. Her account balance now is 869000 negative $869,000. The Fox 31 problem solvers have reached out to the U.S. Treasury Department and Bank of America. The problem solvers learned that Johnston got in a car crash and received a $20,000 settlement about a week ago. Seeing the sudden increase in funds, Bank of America put a hold on Johnston's account. It happened to trigger on the same morning she received her stimulus check. Johnston was unable to reach Bank of America until our problem solvers got involved. Within hours, the problem solvers got the Bank of America to expedite her case and lift the hold on her account. Bank of America says it has processed millions of stimulus checks with no issues. But negative $869,000 in your ledger. Talk about some sticker shock, Jeff. Uh, how, how did that not just, like, decline? It seems like that would be past the threshold of just, like, okay, that transaction is going to decline. Why would you think, oh, I'm going to spend $888,000.88 on one thing and no one's going to be like, uh, yeah, Mrs. Smith, uh, did you uh, process this account? Uh, we just wanted to contact you and see if you actually made this, this uh, transaction. Okay. You would think that the fraud department would have gotten called in from the, from the bank. So, Well, obviously, there's a lot of people that aren't doing their jobs. Well, we'll close with this. This is my commentary for today. Uh, wise words for anyone at this moment who hopes that their enemies are worse than they actually are. From C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. Suppose one reads a story of filthy atrocities in the paper. Then suppose that something turns up suggesting that the story might not be quite true or not quite so bad as it was made out to be. Is one's first feeling, thank God, even they aren't quite so bad as that? Or is it a feeling of disappointment and even a determination to cling to the first story for sheer pleasure of thinking your enemies are as bad as possible? If your reaction is the second, I am afraid the first step, in a, if it is the second, then it is, I am afraid, the first step in a process which if followed to the end, makes us into devils. You see, one is beginning to wish that black was a little blacker. If we give that wish its head, later on, we shall wish to see gray as black and then to see white itself as black. Finally, we shall insist on seeing everything, God and our friends and ourselves included, as bad and not be able to stop doing it. We shall be fixed forever in a universe of pure hatred. My commentary is that description describes a lot of people
that are in the alt-right and a lot of people that are in the far left. As Christians, as conservatives, as constitutionalists, Reagan said we are a city set, on, set upon a hill. Those words came from John Winthrop, one of the early pilgrims in Massachusetts. But that quote for, uh, that came from Reagan, who quoted it from Winthrop, came from Jesus when he told his disciples, I am the light of the world, and you are a city set upon a hill. A city that is set upon a hill is not meant to be hidden. It is meant to shine out for all the countryside to see as a beacon. You are my children. You are the light of the world because my light lives in you. We are to be those ambassadors of Christ, those ambassadors of liberty and freedom for where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We need to fight for freedom and liberty. Make your voice heard. Worship freely. Be respectful, but in places where people say you will comply, don't comply, but don't be obstinate and realize that there are other people that look at the world through lenses of pure hatred. You are not supposed to be that. You are supposed to be agents of light, agents of truth, ambassadors of a city set upon a hill. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit, I wanted to kind of close with it, with this idea of whether we are being uh, light shining into darkness. You know, as, as Christians, you know, obviously this is one of the most difficult times that I mean, pretty much any American's been through. I mean, you know, in our lifetime where, you know, we're literally on lockdown for a month. Uh, so, so then the question is, how are you responding? Are you, are you responding uh, with trust in God? Are you responding with, uh, with a peace, knowing that God is in control? Uh, that, does, that doesn't mean that you don't get motivated. It doesn't mean that you don't go out and actually try to make a difference, try to make a change, um, and that sort of thing. But are you freaking out like the world? Are you, are, you, are you running around insanely just crazy and stressed and worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, or are you trusting in God? And this, and this is the perfect time for us to be a testimony for the hope that lives within us is, do you have the Holy Spirit living in you? If, if you do, let, let's, let's trust him. I know it's not easy. It's not the easiest thing to do, um, but we as believers, can, we can have a testimony. We, we can, we can uh, be interacting with our friends online, through social media, through all that kind of stuff, but there should be a difference in how we're conducting ourselves. There should be a difference in our tone. There should be a difference in in our level of calmness compared to the world. And I think that that's something that we can remember as we're moving forward. Um, you know, you know, let's be a witness to the world. Let's be a light shining into darkness. The darkness is full of fear. The darkness is full of craziness. The darkness is full of taking away your rights, of big government, of socialism, of anti-God belief systems. We, we realize that we worship the one who is in who is actually in control. So let's let's rest in that peace, knowing that he is in control, and we're going to do everything we can, and then trust God for the rest. So that would be my challenge to you: is just trust God, but then also be a light shining in darkness. So, um, but yeah, John, that was again, again as always. There's a lot of news, but yeah, we we finished up our second week of uh, of news roundups, and uh, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun going through all this stuff. 
Yeah, it has. Uh, it has been tremendous. I hope it's been a blessing to the viewers uh, to, to just close out. Uh, follow me at jhinton underscore on Twitter. Uh, we're going to be adding a Gmail email account uh, as of next week when that gets up and running. Uh, you can email us questions or comments as well uh, to the America Held Hostage podcast. Uh, but uh, it's been a, it's been an honor and a privilege and a blessing. Uh, and uh, the reason that we're sharing these stories is not because we're hopeless, Jeff. It's because we're hopeful that if we return to the first things, if we return to the ancient paths, the principles that built this nation uh, to uh, make it a light on a, in a city set upon a hill, then uh, we can we can see what America was and can still be again. And that hope begins not in the Constitution, not in the Declaration of Independence. It comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then it flows through the Declaration of Independence and through constitutional God-given right liberties, and then to personal responsibility. Yep, no, I, I, I totally agree, and I think, and I think uh, moving, moving forward as well, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that we can be pushing is constitutional liberty, freedom, uh, and just keep getting our voices out there and heard. That's that's going to be one of the most important things coming out of the coronavirus is, is, is we as a collective unit of conservatives and Christians, we need, we need to articulate our belief system uh, because it actually works uh, and big government solutions uh, don't, clearly. Um, and so, and then just, just a reminder as well, uh, for more information on anything we're doing, you guys can go to Gatekeepers, Gatekeepers Online. Dot com. Follow both of us on social media, all that kind of stuff. I'm at Jeff the GK. You're at Jay Hinton underscore. Um, and then also tomorrow, uh, don't forget, we do have our Saving America conference. It'll be streamed live on the American Conservative Movement's uh, Facebook page starting at 9 a.m. Pacific time. J.D. Rucker will be kicking things off. Uh, with with a talk, you know, just kind of uh, explaining everything that we're trying to do with the ACM, and then we've just got a great lineup of speakers, including Trevor Loudon, Ken Peters, myself, Greg Locke, Mindy Robinson, Michael Johns. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, but yeah, it'll, it'll be an all-day event. Honestly, tune in to a Pro America event over the One World um, live stream that they're doing on all the networks. I mean, would you rather support uh, who or support a conservative agenda for America? Obviously, do with that. Uh, so yeah, we will, we will see you uh, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. If you guys can tune into that conference, it will be a lot of fun. And uh, then we'll be back here with America Held Hostage Podcast coming back on Monday morning. We shall see you guys then.